fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. So fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who sold too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It's Beverly Hills Cop 3. It's John, it's Bo, it's Pat. We're grooving. Grooving. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop 3, get the F out of here. No, I cannot. No, I cannot. (laughs) Ach, well, Foley. Bronson Pinchot. God, love that man. Is, Is Serge. Serge. Serge, what's this surge? It sounds surge. like a sewing machine. So, so, so is it like a, a laundry detergent or something? Laundry detergent, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so this one is Beverly Hills Cop 3. This is our second movie of 1994. We are in our Law & Order month here, so we are excited to bring you another Law & Order-themed movie for the 30-something movie podcast. We spoil freely here, so if we start to mention a movie you don't want to hear about it, just hit that little skip ahead button maybe once or twice on your podcast app of choice, and by then we probably will have finished talking about it. But we do speak freely here, so we that's pretty much your only warning you're going to get. And then make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave us a rating, a voicemail, and you can join us over on Patreon, where we've got a ton of bonus episodes over there and all kinds of fun stuff that you can get involved with. So that is another spot to get uh, more involved with the show and get more bonus content that we're putting out each and every month over there. So I have with me my... Fellow detectives in the what's it called the the GG Joe JC something like that something that yeah the JG <laughs> Joe Joe C or whatever it is yes Bo and Pat guys how you doing great John very well you? sir how are you excellent excellent I do not have a fifty dollar bill though I've got a wife and kids I haven't seen a fifty in twelve years yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so. All right, we're going to dive right on into this one. This one came out on May 25th, 1994, rated R, which I'm going to I'm going to pull a anchor man and I'm going to put a question mark over that. Rated R? Mm-hmm. Somebody put a question yeah. mark on the teleprompter there. If there hadn't Must been, have been some language, right? Cuz if there hadn't been a couple of F bombs in there, I don't think it would have been rated R. I don't either. But I bet the other two were, so when it got that rating, they weren't bothered by it. Yeah. Does that 
you know, sometimes we talk about a movie will go in and they'll drop one F bomb because that's the one that put them over the edge. Yeah. But I feel like I, I got to imagine the other two were. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, for the most part, a lot of this movie has the feel, it would be kind of like if you just started adding F bombs to like, I don't know, rescuers down under, because <laughs> a lot of this movie actually kind of feels like it's for kids. It does. The setting is very childlike. The the violence is sort of comical yeah. in nature. Maybe not the chop shop scene at the beginning, going from the gritty Detroit to the right. happy Los Angeles. Right. Well, the violence is more cartoonish in Los Angeles. So they say. That's why it's easier to be a cop there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Just ask Billy. Sure. Yeah. Runtime was one hour, 44 minutes on this one, directed by John Landis, who also did Trading Places and Coming to America. Good morning, my neighbors. Writers on this one were Stephen E. D'Souza, who did Die Hard. That'll win you an R rating. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 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 Uh, Rate you are, too. Producers on this one were Mace Newfeld, oddly enough, cousins to Mace Windu. I think that's true. And Robert Ream. Newfeld did the Hunter. He has the pink lightsaber to go with the purple one. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah. Well, you you got to hand it to him. Uh, he's got a couple things that Mace doesn't have. <laughs> I think he, it wasn't a Jedi. He worked as a handyman, I believe. Unlike Mace, he was not armed and dangerous. <laughs> Good grief. Can't quite put my finger on it or any of them because they're not there anymore. Oh, yeah. my. Oh, what, what have I done? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That joke just went out the window. Um, I pledge myself to the fish. <sighs> I pledge myself to the teaching of your dad jokes. <laughs> sand. I think he should have just bought him a sandbox. That would have turned him to the dark side because he hates that stuff. It gets everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I say every time I go to the beach. Yeah, Newfeld did Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games. Reem did The General's Daughter. Oh, I shouldn't have said it that way. Reem also produced. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Reem also produced the movie called The General's Daughter and Clear and Prejudice. Much better. <laughs> sort of. Is it really, though? No. Is it really? Ah, and what John is in right now, Clear and Present Danger. Composer was Niall Rogers, who did Coming to America and The Full Monty. Uh, I see we're on a theme here. Cinematographer was Mac Alberg, who did Naked Gun Two and a Half and Innocent Blood. Editor was Dale Belden, who did Oscar and Wild Wild West. Greatest giant spider villain scene ever in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, production company was Paramount. Budget was an estimated 55 million. Box office 119.2 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 41%. And I'd like to key in for a moment on the fact that that 41% is weighted heavily with an 11% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. 11. 11%. There are, when you look at Beverly Hills Cop 3, which is stylized as Beverly Hills Cop III, there <laughs> are actually more. Characters that look like a one in the title of the movie than there are the percentage that is given to it on Rotten Tomatoes. Stick that in your no. annihilator and shoot it. Yeah, that's, 
Yeah. It's the Annihilator mm-hmm. 5,000. 5,000? 3,000? Hey, I don't remember. Might have been. As if you could just like uh, wipe it down, like give it a little little wipe down and just uh, clean it with a, a disinfectant. And a... Yeah, Cinema Score gives it a B. But yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, 11% from the critics. So there there be struggles here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eddie Murphy played Detective Aqua Foley. He was in Coming to America and Trading Places. Judge Reinhold played Detective, uh, oddly enough, not a judge, but Detective Billy Rosewood. Should he, because I know they're doing a Beverly Hills Cop 4, should Judge Reinhold play Judge Billy Rosewood? In I think that would be outstanding. I think that's appropriate. Because he can't still, he can't still be the DDD double J OC guy. I mean, you'd think he would have retired by now. Yeah, the B-I-N-G-O. Mm-hmm. Yeah. E-I-E-I-O. Definitely um, is his name. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But plays Detective Billy Rosewood in this movie. He was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Gremlins. Hector Elizondo plays John Flint. He was in Pretty Woman and the Princess Diaries. Teresa Randall played Janice Perkins. She was in Bad Boys and Space Jam. Bronson Pinchot plays Serge. Serge. He was in True Romance and Risky Business. Timothy Carhart plays Ellis DeWald. Ellis DeWald, everybody. Ellis DeWald. <laughs> Ellis DeWald. He is so surprised that I am here next to him tonight. Thelman Louise and Ghostbusters. John Saxon, who died in 2020, played Oren Sanderson. He was in Enter the Dragon, which we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. He was also in Nightmare on Elm Street. Alan Young, who died in 2016, played Uncle Dave Thornton. He was in The Time Machine and Mr. Ed. Stephen McCaddy played Steve Fulbright. He was in Watchmen and 300. Gil Hill played Inspector Douglas Todd. He was in Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, Al Green played himself. And I think that's that's all I got on this one. So, all right. Eddie Murphy is back as Detective Aqua Foley, the coolest cop in Detroit, diving into the glitz of Beverly Hills. Alongside Judge Reinhold as Billy Rosewood and Hector Elizondo as John Flint, they face their slickest challenge yet. With Teresa Randall as Janice Perkins, they're set to outsmart a criminal mastermind in a theme park where the thrills are deadly and the laughs are nonstop. Hello, welcome to the Beverly Hills Police Department. To continue this message in English, press one pound. If you have homeless people on your lawn, press two star. So what brings you to California, Axel? Vacation? I'm looking for a killer. One, please. We got some evidence that points to one the world. Thank you. Thank you. You mean Rufus Rabbit has gone berserker? You got yourself in the middle of a federal investigation. That guy killed a police officer. He killed a friend of mine. You just keep him out of my face and out of my park. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a tremendous surprise for Mr. DeWall to have me standing right next to him right now. You know, right now I can feel his body tingling. Bring that man down. Code red on the spider. Hold on tight. Axel. Hey, hey, hey. Officers, I want this man arrested. I'm sure you can explain everything, or maybe you can't explain anything. You're going back to Detroit. You've got to turn yourself in, man. Why is it so hard for you all to see there's something rotten going on at that park? Kill him. Right? I'm like dazzled by your new look. Look Thank at your you skin. 
and your hair. And then finally you have black hush poopies, which are totally retro, which I love. You, you put a really good package together. So our major moments for this one, there we start off with the chop shop raid gone wrong. Axel Reed <laughs> leads a raid on a car theft ring at a chop shop in Detroit, canceling the SWAT backup because he doesn't need it. They don't have guns. <laughs> they're just guys chopping up cars. Right. What do they have guns for? I mean, unless their worldview changes, they don't have guns. Situation escalates a bit when a group of men led by Ellis DeWald. Ellis DeWald, everybody. Ellis DeWald. <laughs> Ellis DeWald. Ellis, Ellis DeWald. El- you know what? Ellis DeWalt. Put your hands Put together. Put your hands together. Ellis DeWalt. Execute the car thieves and engage in a firefight with Axel's team. Inspector Todd uh, arrives at the chop shop during the raid and is killed by DeWalt as the group flees and Axel's pursuit is halted by a Secret Service agent. He reveals a larger federal operation, uh, but uh, he is left with the final words by Inspector Todd. Uh, what do you want? A coffee break? Go get that guy. So with the death of uh, his boss, he after the funeral, he follows clues to Wonderworld, a theme park in Beverly Hills, reuniting with his friend Billy Rosewood, now a high-ranking officer in the G. Joe, J. Joe, CISO, whatever it's called, and meeting his new partner, John Flint. Whoever controls the green lines yes. controls Southern California. Yes. Which this, I believe this could be a, a good like follow-up movie if they wanted to called The Thin Green Line. Indeed. I could see them doing that. I think that would be apropos. Mm-hmm. Axel goes undercover at Wonder World. I keep wanting to call it Wally World. Um, yeah. It's definitely an easy jump, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's not far. Wonder World. Axel befriends the park employee Janice Perkins and explores the park's behind-the-scenes areas. He is attacked by security and escapes, drawing attention to himself by rescuing some children from a malfunctioning spider ride. Axel recognizes the killer. He identifies Ellis DeWalt, everybody. Ellis DeWalt. Put your hands together for Ellis DeWalt. There we go. Ellis DeWalt, everybody. We are going to pay this man back everything that he is owed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Head of park security as Todd's killer during a confrontation, but struggles to convince Rosewood and Flint due to DeWalt's good public image at that time. He discovers Some the, other fact that he runs the largest private security firm isn't a red flag for anybody. I'm just curious as to why. Yeah. No, no, there's no, uh, there's no red flags. Axel discovers that DeWald and park manager Oren Sanderson are using Wonderworld as a front for a counterfeiting ring. Operation involves mint paper stolen from Detroit. There is evidence in a letter that is left behind. Axel and Uncle Dave Thornton, the park's owner, realize that a cryptic letter from the park's designer, Roger Fry, is written on a stolen piece of mint paper implicating DeWalt and Sanderson. Uncle Dave is shot and Axel is framed. He's framed for the shooting, forcing him to flee. This is, and and we'll talk about this in just a minute, but this is kind of one of the scenes where, for me, there was, and I don't want to get too far into opinion stuff, but... There seem to be a lot of leaps in either editing or logic in this movie that took Perhaps me... Perhaps both. Or, or both, and both simultaneously, that kind of took me out from time to time. It was it was like just as soon as this happens and it starts to go over the news that that Uncle Dave Thornton was shot, The was it the cops? I think there were some cops that are waiting at the desk in the hospital 
and mm-hmm. Axel happens to walk by and I think asks him a question, like what room somebody's in, or, or I forget what question he asked, but he's right there. And they kind of turn, they look at him real quick. And then something comes over the radio. And all they mm-hmm. say over the radio is Uncle Dave Thornton was shot. It was an African American. And as soon as they say African American, they turn and run yeah. after Axel Foley. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Yeah. We're just going to, we're not even going to finish the sentence. I'm not even sure they nope. got to the word male. I think it was just, you. and all of a sudden, boom, we know exactly who it was. It was we that know exact, guy. I know exactly uh-huh. who this is. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, there was that, and then there were there were moments a little bit later when they're at the, oh, it's at the very, very end, when they're at the amusement park, and they're in the, I think they're in the, the dinosaur ride, and Axel gets shot, and it kind of goes down, and then all of a sudden, he's back in one of the, like, mechanical rooms again, like, within seconds. He's back in the mechanical room, he doesn't look injured at all, and then he's able to jump out and, and tackle the guy, and then there's another moment where Flint comes in, and Axel, I think they were, they had just shot the guy, and they were about to, like, Flint walks over and goes to, like, stand next to him, and all of a sudden, Axel's already sitting down. And then Flint goes to sit down next to him. And I, there were just a few little, a few, little or big jumps in some of the editing that I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't he just over here and now he's over there? I, I even had to back up the movie a few times and be like, wait a minute. Didn't he just get shot? And then yeah, half a like second they, later, he's in a completely different room. It's almost like they were trimming it for time and yeah. they just like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were there were a few logical leaps in this one. There is another one too, but I'll I'll mention that a little bit later. So they end up storming the park. They go back to Wonder World. They storm the park to clear his name and find the bad guys and stop the counterfeit operation. Shootout ensues, resulting in DeWald's death and revelation of the counterfeit operation. Uh, one of the most amazing things I think from this entire shootout is the fact that there is the world's. I mean, forget the annihilator gun. If you're going into battle. You definitely need to find out who made the Wonder World Park benches. How about it? Because that mm-hmm. thing's bulletproof. I don't know what yeah. kind of wood. Wood made from the rusher trees of Kashyyyk. <laughs> because that thing's yes. somehow bulletproof. I don't know. But that was amazing. It was. Mm-hmm. So It was when, rather impressive. When you absolutely positively must defend yourself from every guy in the room except no substitutes, by a Wonder World park bench. Agent Fulbright is revealed to be involved with the counterfeiters. Axel kills Fulbright in self-defense, clearing his name. Uncle Dave recovers, thanking Axel by creating a new Wonder World character in his honor. Was it Axel Fox? Axel Fox. Axel Fox was the character's name. And Axel and Janice are going to go begin their relationship in the Tunnel of Love, which does not exist, but simultaneously does exist. It's... I don't know. Yeah. It's like a sexy version of Schrodinger's cat. There you go. Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else? Anything from the major moments side of things? We'll, we'll jump into our deep thoughts on this one and, and give some of the opinion. But uh, anything else? Any other scenes that I missed? Any parts in particular that, that jumped out at you or l- that you love in particular about this movie? Well, this is kind of a deep thoughts thing. I think what really kind of helped carry a lot of this was the charisma of Eddie Murphy. Like, no matter how 
much a scene, I, I don't want to roast it, but no, how, no matter how much a scene seemed to be falling short, he could carry it across the line. Yeah. So I, I think but that's getting into deep thoughts. Okay. So. Well, let's, let's, let's dig a little deeper then. And now deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's it's very deep. Thank you. So deep thoughts. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? The minute it came out. Okay. We were big Beverly Hills Cop fans. And so we heard there was a new one. And so needed to be viewed. Okay. I think I was probably in high school before I saw this one. I probably, in fact, I probably didn't even see the original until maybe very late middle school, maybe like eighth grade. And then I probably saw the second and third one in high school. So yeah, didn't, didn't see these right when they came out, but not too long after, just a few years after. I saw, I'm trying to think of when I, saw this one they've only seen it like maybe one other time and it was later later high school maybe college when it's kind of like oh it's on tv and i'll check it out all right so the the big question of the day did you enjoy this one Bo, why don't you oh, why don't you, yeah i did why don't you leave? i think john and i were talking a little before we started recording and I, th- I think it's a nostalgia thing for me i enjoy it a lot i'm not sure that there's great reason for me to enjoy it as much as I do, but I do. I like it a lot. I think I like all the Beverly Hills cop movies. I think part of it is a childhood thing, but I do. I enjoyed it even with the camp and silliness. We we were trying to come up with words that would describe reasons why we enjoy crappy movies sometimes. And I think you you were searching for the word. At first, we were kind of searching for the word. We, we came up with the word schadenfreude, mm. which <laughs> is, is the term for when you enjoy the, when you enjoy when harm comes to another person. So, for example, the Three Stooges or other physical comedy. When we laugh at the misfortune of others, you have the German term schadenfreude. I think one of the terms we might have settled on, we, we went through a few, and, and you offered some that were a combination of German or Swedish or things sold at the discount bin at Ikea. Yeah. Some that, some we, words We that consulted we, some different AIs to see if they had anything for us, and some words they that, were found lacking. Some words that couldn't be pronounced, some words that shouldn't be pronounced. Yeah. The one, at least for me, that I think I've settled on, and apologies to our German friends that may be listening to the show. Cover your ears, Germans. We've we've shifted the word schadenfreude because the Freude means joy in German, if I'm saying this all correctly, and the Scheiden means damage, I believe. And so we've replaced that with another word in German, and we're choosing to go with the word Scheißefreude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which for purposes of remaining family friendly means crappy joy, which is we're using that term to mean the joy of watching bad movies. Maybe we can coin that right now. I'm not sure that this phrase actually exists. 
I mean, I do feel like Germans come up with kind of all kinds of fun phrases on their own anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I, I would like to borrow this and maybe have this become a phrase that we can coin for any time that we really enjoy watching a really bad movie. I, I think, yeah. We may be using this more later this year when we get into some of our weird ones we're going to cover. We do have oh, yeah. a fun and year ahead. Have, we have some interesting th- interesting stuff. So, yeah, that that may be this movie because there are, I, I will echo what you said, there are a lot of really fun moments in this movie as a whole. Yeah, it's not great. Like, it's fun. It was it was fun to watch. I don't regret oh, watching sure. it again. I've, I've watched this movie a few times now. Always fun to see a little cameo by George Lucas. In the last two weeks, we've had cameos by James Earl Jones and George Lucas. So, which is outstanding for one podcast. Wonderful, you know. No, mm-hmm. no Phil Donahue throwing up in a tuba this time, but yeah, it's it's fun. It made me want to just go back and rewatch at least the first Beverly Hills Cop. So, I, it, this one has that weird feeling of. It felt like they were trying to lean too far into the comedy, whereas I'm not sure. I don't think I would peg the first two movies as being comedy movies. The second one has its moments. It does. But you're right. Yeah, I I label these more as Eddie Murphy is a Eddie Murphy is a cop and it's an action movie. He just happens to also be funny. Right. And I think I feel like this one tried to lean a little bit too far into the comedy and less so the action, because even the action in this one was kind of ridiculous. Like you had the whole scene of them trying to shoot at him and he's hiding behind a park bench. And then every time he tries to fire off the big gun, like something weird and quirky, like out of a weird owl movie, you know, starts happening with the gun. It's playing music. It's shooting a net that doesn't work. It's all kinds of other weird stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of. In terms of that, it, it falls a little short for me, especially when compared with the other two. When the other two were so so much fun and had that really good balance, especially the first one, had that really good balance of the humor with the straight-up action cop movie, this one this one just falls a little short for me overall. But Pat, what did you think about this one? Well, I, I, I think you guys are hitting all the points that I'm going to say. I mean, it was fun. It was enjoyable. But it, it had a different feel than the first two. And I think the first two were fun cop action movies. The humorous parts were really kind of what Eddie Murphy would bring to the bring to the table, right? That's where the comedy came in was how he delivered things and what he would do and what he would say. This one and I'm, I'm repeating you, but this one seems to kind of like proceed from the idea that it's more of a comedy type movie. And I think, I think I've, I feel like we've seen this phenomenon before in like Conan the Barbarian and then Conan the Destroyer, even a little bit of like Wonder Woman and Wonder, Wonder Woman 1984, where like you come up with a sequel and the sequel just has like a different feel to it. That's like, boy, this is different than what the original vision was. Yeah, almost it's, it's a totally to different tone yeah. in some cases. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where it, it kind of got to the point where I was enjoying it as if it was a kid's movie, like PG, PG-13. And all of a sudden the language would start flying and the innuendo would start flying, or the violence even. And it was like, whoa, I, it was almost, and it wasn't the violence, but you know, you'd show people getting shot up and all that. 
and, and it was almost like a, I kind of flinched because I didn't expect it to go that way because I thought I was watching a PG movie just because the overall tone of it. That was my take on it. I, but again, yes, I enjoyed it. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun movie, but yeah, just a different tone. I, I mean, some of the th- some of the elements in this movie that still uh, across the different movies, across the different Beverly Hills Cop movies, one of my favorite elements of these movies is Serge. I know mm-hmm. Bronson every, Pinchot is so fun every single time, and he he doesn't really do he's not on screen all that much, right? But when he is there, he is on point. He is chewing up the scenery, and he's the guy you're watching. Because what is Serge gonna say next? Like he and, he and they do the whole bit about the oh, let me see your teeth because the cappuccino was staining my teeth, so I stopped doing that. And the mm-hmm. whole bit about the colonics, oh my god! Like who can make a colonic that funny? I mean, <laughs> oh, I don't right. do those. Like, come on! It's, it's one thing that's very important to the survival boutique. Boutique what? We still like that's one of those like boutiqua is a term mm-hmm. that gets thrown around in my house. You drive by something and mm-hmm. it says boutique on the sign, and we go, "Oh look, a boutiqua!" <laughs> like it's just something we latched onto. Uh-huh. Funny, not for any you know real reason other than it's funny. And then Billy is so Judge Reinhold is so that character is so bumbling, but yet. He always bumbles into success. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, just, uh, he's just, he reminds me a little bit of, especially because this takes place in California, he reminds me a little bit of, of what I think the cops from the modern era that will grow into the cops that are running things in Demolition Man. <laughs> I, I think they all learned from Billy. Because they all kind of have that like innocent charm to them, yeah. Like, oh man, like I don't understand why somebody would be so violent, kind of a deal. But then at the same time, he actually he actually does remind me a little bit of Sandra Bullock in Demolition Man, because he is kind of he's got that kind of like innocent little charming behavior and attitude about him. But when when he takes out his gun and shoots somebody, he's going to twirl it around and tell you that he's the sheriff of this town. Right. <laughs> so I got to say, for for me, those are the characters that are probably still the same as they have been in all these other movies. Serge and Billy, you know, and they're they're the very few repeating characters that we've got kind of at this point. I am happy to see that I, I did see the trailer come out for they are making another Beverly Hills Cop movie. They're doing a Beverly Hills Cop 4. I think it's coming out on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it's just called and, Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. Yep. And yeah. everyone can be safe in the knowledge that as far as that trailer went and a little bit of research John did at the start here, it does seem that everyone is back. It does look like it, yeah. It it was it was quite the cavalcade of, yeah. of guest stars. They got they got Ronnie Cox, they got Paul Reiser. Yeah, even Paul Reiser, that's right. Yeah. That was so exciting. Donna's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, that's funny. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. 
So, so hopefully that one will be good. Yeah, John Ashton is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge Reinhold will be back. Bronson Pinchot is back. Yeah, there, there's a there's going to be a bunch of other. I think I saw Joseph Gordon Levitt's in it. Kevin Bacon's going to be in it. Teresa Randall is back. What else did I see? I feel like there might have been a couple of others. A couple of others that might have been in some of the other movies, but yeah, it, it looks like it's got a great cast in it. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I'm really hoping that it stays true to at least the first two Beverly Hills Cop movies and, and goes back to being, and it kind of looks like it from the trailer, it kind of looks like it may lean more on the action side of things. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. I would agree with that. So, And there is a trailer out? There is. Yes. Yeah. When When is the supposed release? It's 2024, so I'm not sure exactly huh? when. Did it say, do you remember, Bo, did it say in the trailer? Not that I recall, but I admit I was sort of, this was the first I had heard that they were act that they had actually made the movie. Yeah. I had known there I had known there was discussion of it, but I had missed any updates on what had been shot pre-strike and all that. So I was a bit stunned to see a trailer, so I wasn't paying as much attention as perhaps I mm-hmm. should have. Yeah, as far as I can tell, there is not there is not an official release date beyond 2024. Which to me says they're probably still in principal photography. They just were able to release a trailer. Yeah. Well, and sometimes Netflix and those others, they won't release a, a, a specific date right. um, until they get closer. And it's Netflix, so depending on, like, they're not as beholden to other things in their release times, right? right. They just sort of say... Oh, that's done. Okay, good. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so, yeah. good for them. Yeah. So yeah, I right, looking forward to that one. Yes. What else about this one? Are there other are, are there scenes where are there scenes in particular in this one that you enjoy? Like is there a, a particular part of this, even if the movie as a whole is not does not quite hold up? as the other entries in the series, are there scenes in particular in this one that do work for you? I, I think the, the scene at the amusement park, when he first get there and he, he, the ride yeah. get, goes haywire and he has to rescue the kids. I thought there was some pretty awesome action sequences in there. Yeah. And I, I thought it was crisp. I thought it was, you know, tense, right? You were on the edge of your seat. I mean, the whole thing with them wrestling over the remote and then you see gears kind of flying apart and smoke and that's why the ride got busted. I thought that was, again, a little bit on the childish side. But that being said, that actually that sequence was pretty good. I thought, well, pretty good. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I think that's mine too. I think when he when he jumps on the, on the spider ride and then has to rescue the kids because it all malfunctions and, yeah. And that's the scene. Uh, think- isn't that the scene where you get the... George Lucas cameo? Yes. Yeah. I, I think you get the Lucas cameo. And and I think, boy, I don't know, like some of the scenes with him was, was I don't know, would that be green screen or was, you could tell it was, he wasn't up there, but I, I think there was some of the stuff they had a stunt person up top, right? Yeah, I believe so. So I, I uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that scene. 
Bo, knowing that your your deep and abiding love for the Beverly Hills Cop movies, do you have any particular favorite scenes from this one? Oh, so many. The the opening, it's a great opening with the the illegal chop shop, the the mo- the, the the moment he has with Inspector Todd is very tender. Even not just at, after Todd gets shot, but but outside when he says, I'm just here to, I'm just here to watch. This is your operation. You know, it's, it's showing growth of the character a little bit because Axel's finally in charge of something instead of just being a punk. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then it, he slips right into Axel fully. Is this the illegal chop shop? You know, one of them places where they chop up car, you know, yeah. that's just that it's, it's just the way he goes back and forth from first. And then he does that. And then they have the whole shootout. And then he has another tender moment with Todd and then, you know, there's that. And then I think some of the best stuff in both in all three movies really is when he first gets out to LA because it's even though he's been there before and he knows the lay of the land, there's still always a fish out of water moment, which is so funny. And in this one, it's the multi-language vocal interface where he, when he's trying to find Billy, <laughs> Le Rose boy. <laughs> like he's just trying to find this guy and he can't figure out how this thing works yeah. because it's yeah. Beverly Hills and it's fancier than, than he's expecting. Yeah. So there's that stuff. And and I could go on all day, but I think those, I think they set a tone for the movie. It's silly, but it's still Beverly Hills cop in a way it's. Yeah. Yeah. And the music, I think we talked about it a little bit. This theme is just iconic. It's one of those things you hear and you know what the movie, what universe you're in when you hear that theme song. So it's kind of interesting that Eddie Murphy himself has said several times that this is he hate he hates this movie. That it's, that's not that surprising. It's well, yeah. Um, that I think atrocious was one of the words that he threw around a bit. Um, it sounds like there were a lot of struggles on the set of this one. Um, Bronson Pinchot in an interview said that he felt that Eddie Murphy was really depressed when this movie came out because a lot of his other movies had kind of bombed prior to this. So he just was not at his normal Eddie Murphy energy level. I know Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of issues between John Landis and Eddie Murphy. You know, it wasn't in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Didn't Eddie Murphy... They got into a little bit of a verbal thing that turned into a physical thing. And then they kind of refused to work with each other. And then they kind of patched things up enough to make this movie. But John Landis claimed that for this movie, Eddie Murphy would purposefully try to not be funny. That John Landis had commented and said, look, the the script is not great, but I think Eddie Murphy can save this because he's a funny guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, Eddie Murphy was like, no, 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 no. Axel Foley, he's, he's grown up now. Like he's not a you know silly goofy immature guy, he's a grown up cop. This is an action movie. I, I'm not. I don't want to be funny. Like that's not what this is supposed to be. So John Landis is saying that Eddie Murphy purposefully tanked it. Bronson Pinchot is saying Eddie Murphy was just in a really bad mood because most of his movies had kind of bombed before this. And you know, there's a couple of other stories here and there where it just it sounds like Eddie Murphy wasn't completely into this one. And other people could pretty clearly tell that that was the case. Hmm. Some of the other interesting 
trivia pieces on this one too were what the original one of the original scripts was going to be was that Eddie Murphy was actually going to go over to England. There was a whole storyline where Ronnie Cox's character had been taken hostage by terrorists during an international police convention, and he was going to go over there. One of the original ideas was that he would team up with Sean Connery as a Scotland oh. Yard detective. Oh, Lord. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That, that's a choice. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can just hear the trailer now. But in Latin... Comedy is spelled with an Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, so apparently they um, they had one of the ideas was Sean Connery. One of the ideas was John Cleese. Um, Paul Reiser was going to come back for that one. Um, but gosh, it, is this the movie we're about to get? You're <laughs> is John Cleese in this an one? interesting, uh, and that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, so. it's it's interesting because so many franchises and everything like that, at that time, you had a movie, you had, the, you had the picture, you had the sequel, maybe two sequels, but by the by the third movie, you were kind of needing to wrap it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it, it was like, you either repeat the same concept or you try to change it so drastically people kind of reject it, you know? And I, I think, well, before we started recording, we were talking about Back to the Future and the Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, and you still have people that are like, I only watched the first one, I don't watch the sequels because the first one's the best. You know, you got folks talking like that, and I think the whole idea of making multiple pictures and, and with, within that same storyline, that's a that's a... That happens now. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but back then it was almost just like, okay, it just, you, if you're making, and I think the one that really worked, like Naked Gun 33 and a third, the one we talked about last week, was it last week or was it next week? Last uh, week. Last week. That's what I figured. So when we talked about it last week, I think Naked Gun 33 and a third worked because the gags, they did, it was the same style, but they kind of, they could do new material in the same old way, and it was still funny. The cast still had enough pizzazz to to really sell it, but I, I don't get you don't get the feeling like okay, well now I can't wait for the fourth one, right? Like you feel like it's wrapping up, you know, it's the final insult. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. they know they don't want to press their luck. Yeah, they're too afraid of the whammies. Here's another crazy thing that I had read early on. One of the suggestions for this movie was that they cross over with another film franchise. Anybody mm. want to take a wild guess as to what 80s film franchise, which I believe. Oh, it's got to be Lethal Weapon. No, which oh. I believe might have had an entry in the 90s that most everybody wants to ignore. Yeah, there there was a film franchise that apparently it was, the idea was floated that uh, Axel Foley should team up with another famous character from an 80s film franchise. Any guesses? It's not Lethal Weapon. Hmm. It's not even a cop movie. Okay. Not sure that makes me feel better about it. Oh, it, I don't think it would. I it's, have no idea. It's weirder than the idea of him going to England and teaming up with Sean Connery. 
weirder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Well, now you have me intrigued, and I have no clue. Yeah, um, now I'm nervous. Yeah, the suggested right? the the suggested crossover was to have Eddie Murphy team up with Crocodile Dundee. Oh, for the <laughs> yeah, Eddie, okay. Eddie, Eddie now Murphy. That's a knife. Yeah, apparently Eddie Murphy quickly rejected that one. Wow. I mean, that's, that's like that's like that's not only jumping the shark, but you've strapped on a rocket pack. Indeed. And you've rocketed over the shark at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Did wow. we appreciate that there is consistency in the hut, hut, hut that we hear from SWAT team members between Blues Brothers in this movie? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I did actually <laughs> notice that. I was like, hmm. That's I, interesting. That funny. I appreciate John Landis's audio consistency with that. Mm-hmm. Must be a must be something he likes. It's it's a shared universe. This where is all this of is how you know they're a SWAT team. They have to say hut, this. Hut, 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 hut. Yeah. I'll say this for him. He's consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the other funny parts about this was, was, especially within the last two years, having taken my family to Disney World, was Axel Foley balking at the thirty-five dollar ticket price. Yeah. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. Axel, just pay the thirty-five dollars, buddy. <laughs> Right, it's, you got you have no idea. It's about to get so much worse. I was thinking about just our local Six Flags ticket how, pricing. Yeah, how much is Six Flags now? Oh, I think it's like sixty bucks or something. Oh, is it really? Oh. I think so. I I remember the days in high school when it was what was it twenty bucks twenty five, and even that was I was like scrounging around for Coke cans so I could get ten dollars off when I go buy my right. ticket at, at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am confirming now. Yeah. Yeah. Tickets and passes. I I gotta be careful. When about the big this. deal is when the big deal is you can save up to forty dollars. You were just saying you can save up to ten bucks with a coffee can. Yeah. Okay. Daily ticket is forty five bucks. Okay. But I do not think that includes Hurricane Harbor. Okay. Well, I know. Oh that, no, I guess it does. I know that my child went enough over this last so, year that he just bought a, a season pass, and that was worth so forty five. Well, that's where they because it, it looks like forty five is the day pass. Okay, and that does include water park. Okay, but then then there's all the other stuff. Then there's the flash pass, which gets you fast. I I don't even understand some of this. Yeah. Oh, no, the, that $45, I do not think, does get you in the water park. Oh, okay. I, this matrix is confusing to yeah, me. That's right. But, like, the season pass is, I'm trying to do the math here. I think it's two visits. Yeah, it is. I, I, it's I my understanding that there would be no math. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> that's exactly is. how yeah. I felt. Yes, yeah. But yeah, 45 bucks. I mean, yeah. T- try to take a family of four and whew. I, I got to be a little careful with this because I just, I took my child, my oldest child on a college visit just a few weeks ago. Oh Lord. And, yeah. And so we were, we were in one college town and then we drove 45 minutes to get to the college town I went to. And 
I felt bad because, and I didn't really pick up on this until he finally told me to shut up. Apparently, I spent the first 48 hours of this weekend nonstop saying things like, well, it wasn't like that when I was here. Oh. Wow, that's totally different than the last time I was here. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I helped your aunt move into this dorm when she came here. Didn't look like this. You were that guy. I was that dad. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. And then if I, finally at some point I think he might have just said, Dad, just shut up. Stop. And like, and then it just kind of got to be a joke. Then we would, like, drive by. I was like, wow, I don't think that tree was there when I was here. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I, I have... <laughs> I, you have seen the enemy, I, and he is you. Yes. I have become destroyer of children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, That's too funny. And even funnier that he called you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, after, after like two days of it, I think he had probably had enough. Yeah, it is hard not to wax nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was. It was different than the last time I was there, so I felt like it, it needed to be it said. Was very, so. I am sure it was. I am I, also sure he did not care. I, he didn't care, but I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> well, I didn't say you should. It's it's, it's my duty to inform that booty. <laughs> oh, 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 there it is. No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't know. It, it In my head, it worked. <laughs> That's the only one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ah, Freuda, everybody. Mm-hmm. Freuda. It's a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. Do we have anything else we want to say about Beverly Hills Cop 3 before we slide into three questions? Ellis DeWalt. That's what I want to say. I'm just excited to be here with Ellis DeWalt tonight. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Question number one, what is your favorite amusement park? I haven't been to many. Yeah. Hmm. I, I got to say, growing up, my favorite amusement park was Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. We would go there at least two or three times a year. For the year that we lived there, we went there much more often. But yeah, I, that was my favorite one growing up. Because we would go there, we'd go there. So we'd go there during Christmas time, and then all the the park had been, all the water rides got converted to something else, or they got shut down, and then they kind of piped in a bunch of fake snow and created these sledding hills and things like that. And I, but that was always between the the cave that you could go tour that was there, and then oh, the food was just amazing. But yeah, that was that was always growing up was was one of my favorites. As an adult, and the one that I really would love to go back to at some point especially given a little bit more time and not during COVID when certain things are shut down or certain things are not available, I would love to go back to Galaxy's Edge. 
Ah. I mm-hmm. loved Galaxy's Edge. And there were a couple of things, partially because of COVID, partially because of children being in tow. There were a couple of things that I really wanted to do that I did not get a chance to do because of time constraints and other stuff. So I would, I would really, really like to go back to Galaxy's Edge. I don't know that I want to go back to the Florida, the, the Disney World Galaxy's Edge. There's other things I'd like to see in California. So I think we'd probably do Disneyland if I was going to go back and okay. do that again. Because I got to, at some point, I got to hit up all the, uh, the filming locations for the Rocketeer. Yes, I, gotta, I, I gotta can hit see up how the, that uh, would be. Got to hit up the Griffith, Griffith Park Observatory and the, yeah. So that's going to be mine as, as an adult, as a kid, Silver Dollar City, as an adult, Galaxy's Edge. Ever hmm. been a big theme park guy? Because I don't do a lot of rides. Because I don't do well with them. Mm-hmm. So I really the only theme park I have much experience with is is the local Six Flags Great America. Okay. So I guess I say that because that's all I got. Yeah, growing up we go to Great America, you know. The Santa's Village thing we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we were littler kids, gone to Disney a couple of times. And that was, that was always a great time. I, yeah, it kind of goes in phases. There's times I really like, ah, going to the theme park, that's fun. And then there's times that I just like doing other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so it's kind of, and it, and it goes in cycles. Like there's swaths of rides from great America present and ones that used to be there that I just loved. I loved the shockwave ride. But then there's groups of rides that kids name now, and I'm like, yeah, I've never been on that one. Never been on that one because I just kind of fell away from it. So I guess I'd have to say I love water rides. So if the park has water rides, I'm going to like it. Yeah. I don't know if that's – I don't know if that's a – I don't know if that's a legal answer, but that's yeah, – nevertheless, that's the answer I'm going to give you. That's, that's sufficient, yeah. That's acceptable. Question number two, what is your favorite Eddie Murphy skit from SNL? This is tough. Yeah. But I think I have to go with Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. This is how you answer the door in my neighborhood. (laughs) Who is it? Boys and girls, can you say kill that landlord? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Boys and girls, can you spell laid off, Patrick? I, I got I'm going to have to, I don't know if it's daily double or daily triple. I think Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, I mean, it's just the iconic one. It's just so good. I, I have a hard time narrowing this one down because I, I've been watching Saturday Night Live since I was a little teeny tiny kid. Little chocolate donuts have been on my training table since I was a kid. <laughs> um... <laughs> This is a tough one because I love, <laughs> I, I love his buckwheat character. Buckwheat is yep. so good, especially when they do the buckwheat sings compilation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow, when buckwheat sings a song, it's eternally his. Aunts, ties, fetines, fetines a lady. Wooking penub in all the wrong places. Wooking penub. 
Yeah. So there's buckwheat. There is James Brown celebrity hot tub party. Ow. Ow. Gonna get in the hot tub. <gasps> yeah. Help me now. There's that. There is Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, which is amazing. I you know what? I gotta go with I gotta go with the mockumentary that he did called White Like Me. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Yep. Yep. Pat, have you seen that one? What's it called again? It's called White Like Me. Yes. Yeah. I get that one. So I sometimes I get that one confused. Well, so basically, yes, I it's I a, get confused it's, it's, with some of the Chappelle stuff. Yeah. Go so ahead, basically, it's it's supposed to be like an undercover thing he's doing. Eddie Murphy basically goes in whiteface and mm-hmm. goes around into these different scenarios that typically a, a black man would not be treated the same way. So he mm-hmm. goes he goes to like a newsstand and he's waiting in line to buy a newspaper and I think there's a, a black man or woman ahead of him and as soon as they leave the store he tries to go pay for the newspaper and the guy's like man what are you what are you doing just take it just take it you don't have to pay for that just take it and there's another point he's riding the it's a bus or a trolley or something and as soon as the the last black passenger gets off then all of a sudden they start pulling down <laughs> pulling down secret compartments and one of the ladies that was sitting uh, looked like a passenger. She gets up and she starts serving drinks and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And, and it's a, the whole thing is just hilarious when they keep going through all these different scenarios. <laughs> and he, he tries to go get a loan from the bank. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the African-American banker won't give him a loan. But then a white banker comes in and, and goes, hey, why don't, you, why don't you go take your lunch break? And sits down with mm-hmm. white Eddie Murphy. And it's like, we, we don't need to deal with this crazy paperwork now, do we? And starts ripping it up. And um, that might be my favorite of his. Like, I, I love Buckwheat. I love the Mr. Robinson stuff. I love the James Brown stuff. But Gumby's I, pretty funny. Gumby's. My name is my name is Gumby. It's not gum. Um, Ebony and Ivory with Joe oh, Piscopo. Yes. I mean. <laughs> just. You are black and I am white. You are blind as a bat, and I have sight. <laughs> I'm not gonna finish the song. They'll appreciate that. Uh, huh? Yeah. I I let the comedians do the the real Lord's work. Um, it's a good move. Yeah. The Little Richard Simmons Show. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I but white like me is hilarious. I, th- I think I have a link to the video for that. I'll share it with you guys in the chat. But, yeah, White Like Me is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. All right. Question number three. What is your favorite gun from a movie or TV show? Now, this hmm. was hard. Hmm. I, oh, I, okay. I, th- I thought you were going to quote Salieri and be like, now that. Or, or quote Amadeus. Now that, that is a challenge. It, it is a challenge. Play, play Sally. Be, because I could go so many ways. I could go funny. Right. Yeah. I could go iconic. Yeah. I could go. So I. James Bond's Walter PPK. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that jumped to mind is from Men in Black, the tiny cricket. Oh yeah. The cricket. Noisy cricket. Yeah. 
No, is it noisy cricket or tiny cricket? I'm sorry, you said tiny. Um, it's a, it's a noisy cricket, see what... is it? The little noisy cricket. Oh, okay. Is the official name now? I think in the movie they call it the noisy cricket. Patrick. Yeah, this is a hard one, boy. I don't know. I don't know. Narrow this one down. Don't know how we can narrow it down. It's hard. Han Solo's blaster. Yeah. Classic. It's classic. You know. Which is very similar to the gun. Very similar to the gun the Rocketeer ends up using. Right. Right. The modified broom handle. Yeah. This is this is hard. You know. You can go like historic, any of the movies that you have like, the Tommy gun in or the M1 Garand or any of those kinds of things. You could go with Westerns with the Winchester rifle, like the one the rifleman used or, man, there's just, there's just so many options. I don't know, John, I, I'm, I, I've not been able to narrow this down. I'm sorry. Did I break you? Yeah, it might, it might be, it might be broken. You could go like. The Death Star, like super laser, little I, quad cannons on the Millennium Falcon. That's true. I was thinking more of like the the handheld, like personal weapon variety, but yeah, those worked. Personal weapon variety. I get what you're saying. You know, the shotgun from Terminator Two. Yes. Because that was such a part of his costume. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to let you. I'm going to have to let you go first, and then I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to figure it out. I'm going to have to think. You I'm, jump in there, and I'm going to think. I, I'm so glad you said the shotgun, because if you started listing off other guns from Terminator, like a phase plasma rifle, I would have yeah. to say, hey, pal, only what you see here. Only what you see here. Yeah. 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 I I want to introduce you guys to a personal friend of mine. Oh, um, there we go. This this is the M41A pulse rifle. Uh, it's a 10-millimeter mm-hmm. with over and under 30-millimeter pump-action grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. feel the weight yeah that that has been ever since i saw the movie aliens that is my all-time favorite weapon in any movie whatsoever mm-hmm. uh as long as we're talking guns if it was anything else it'd be mm-hmm. a lightsaber but i have absolutely thought in every possible situation that if you have a gun that looks like that one you're doing just fine in fact, I and I, I did not bring myself to do it, and I think I might have missed my chance because I think it's sold out in a lot of places now. Nerf actually released a replica of the M41A pulse rifle. No kidding. Of course, it's colored yeah. like a Nerf gun. It's like white, black, and bright yellow instead of being mm-hmm. black like it is in the movies. But I have seen people take the Nerf gun and repaint it to make it look like the way it looks in the movie, and it's even got the little electronic counter that's on oh, the side wow. of it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So I almost, 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 almost was like, hmm, well, is there a world, is there an alternate universe? In a world. In a world <laughs> where it's okay for John to plop down $99 on a Nerf gun. John decided there was not a world in which that scenario ended up happening. And that's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. Now, granted, there are a lot of places online that will sell, like, these foam cosplay replicas of different weapons and guns and things like that. They okay. they do have some pretty decent-looking 3D-printed or kind of foam replicas of it that would not necessarily be a bad thing to possibly own at some point. You know, I for the day that I decide that 
Corporal Dwayne Hicks is the costume I want to use for the big comic book show. Right. Right. Which could be tomorrow. I could be. Could be. Game over, man. Game over. Game over. Uh, yeah. God, I, I'm just I'm looking at pictures of the pulse rifle now. And and why torture yourself? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'm stuck. I'm broken. I'm just gonna I want to go watch aliens now. I think I am the oh, where's the Blu-ray? Yeah, I got it over here. Okay. Well, I know what I'm doing for the next little bit. That's game over. That's it. Game over, man. Game over. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? We're going to watch aliens. That's what we're going to do. That's a great plan. That's a great <laughs> what plan. What would you like to do next? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, watch the movie. Toast a marshmallow. There you go. Marshmallow. With that great little marshmallow toaster, the like one at a time. That was awesome. Yeah. I want one of those. I, I, didn't, I feel like somebody actually built a working replica of that. They did. That it, it was, was done, was it yes. Like a, was it like a thing? But all it did was like pop out. You could only load it with like two marshmallows okay. or something, and it was. Did it actually toast the marshmallows, or just was it more of like a Pez I think dispenser? it just pooped them out. Okay. <laughs> I, I could see. be wrong about that, but I think that's what it did. Shisamallow? <laughs> yeah. 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 Did it, it didn't toast them, though. It was more of a Pez deal. Yeah, that's okay. what I recall anyway. Okay. All right. Well, we can dream. We can dream that someday they'll create a marshmallow toaster that works and M41A pulse rifles that John can just maybe like hold for a little bit. Just to make you feel better? You know, long enough to maybe take a photo with it or, I don't know, run around and pretend I'm shooting aliens with it or. You know, it's just not that I, you would ever do that. No, I'm just, and I'm not asking for a lot. I just, I just want to, I don't know. I just want to hold one for a little bit. I'm just asking for that. Is that so wrong? Apparently. No, no. I want not. a red rider pump action BB gun with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. Yeah, I do. You'll shoot your eye out, that's, kid. That's fine. I don't care. Shoot my eye out then. <laughs> I'll take one for the team. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode. Beverly here, Beverly Hills Cop 3. We have been the 30-something movie podcast. We're at 30podcast.com, at 30podcast on social media. This month is our Law & Order month to start off 1994. Seven Samurai is our Patreon. Stephen King's The Stand is our Patreon short. Last week we did Naked Gun 33 and a third. This week was Beverly Hills Cop 3. Next week is The Getaway, then The Chase, then Wyatt. So we've got some good stuff coming up. Thank you, Bo, and thank you, Pat, for being here as usual. Thank you, John, Thank you, John, for setting us up and keeping us on task. Yeah. Great time. Had by all. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, we hope you are having a good start to your new year. It's where we're, we're probably a couple weeks into the new year. Uh, hopefully you are you're still running strong with whatever resolutions you came up with. Oh, very, very quickly. I, I almost forgot for a moment. I actually got to be a guest host on the Docking Bay 77 podcast. And Ooh, we, wow. we spent a good long time, in fact, I think he might have had to break it up into two episodes, gushing about how much we love Rogue One. Hmm. So, yeah, 
Yeah, awesome. So if you want to go check that out, I believe it's in two parts over at the Docking Bay 77 podcast. And then I, I did actually, so, and real quick, while I'm making all these announcements that I forgot to make before, mm-hmm. I also was on the Jacked Up Review show a little while back. Oh, wow. And I think they just released it not that long ago. We did a ranking of the Terminator film saga. Oh, there you go. So I was on Very a- Very cool. I was on a, a slightly large panel for that one, and we were talking about all the things we love about the Terminator movies. So, And I may, now that he's released that one, I may go ahead and release a copy of that on our feed as well. But at the very least, you can head on over to the Jacked Up Review Show. They are at, I think it's at Jacked Up, is it Jacked Up Podcast? It's at Jacked Up Review on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now. But yeah, the Jacked Up Review Show for the Terminator one and Docking Bay 77, our good buddy Dayton, who I've been on a show with a couple of times now. We did the Star Wars trivia game a little while back with the Shirley podcast guys and terrified everyone with my knowledge. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been on the receiving end of that. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you happen to listen to that episode where we did the Star Wars trivia game? I have not. Okay. The I think the question I scared them with was... There was only one? Well, much like the Highlander, there could be only one that absolutely <laughs> terrified them. I walked into that. You did. That's okay, though. <laughs> the question had something to... I forget how it was worded, but the question had something to do with what was written... Something about something being written on Darth Vader's chest plate, the control panel mm-hmm. on his chest plate. And I want to say it was asking what language it was written in. Okay. You guys know? I would assume it would be Ugnot or something like that because they're the ones who service all that nonsense, but that would just be a guess. Nope. And that was some of their their guesses were like, because you know, one of the official languages is Arabesh and there's all the other languages in Star Wars. It's actually Hebrew. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And the fact that I answered, because like, they're trying to guess Star Wars languages, and I go, no, it's Hebrew. And it means something like... He will not be something like he will not be forgiven until he redeems or something like the fact that I kind of almost knew what it said. And the fact that it was written in Hebrew, they're like, I think we're just done here. Well, yeah, as soon as you said that, I would have been like, well, that's most likely the answer. Because, you know, at that point, you knew too much. Like, how is that not the answer? Right. So I I think I scared them. This is like when you play Star Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with your kids, yeah, and uh, you gotta like let them all go first, you know, or something like just to make the game somewhat interesting. That's uh, that's an outstanding flex. It's like Billy Bob Thornton in Tombstone, Lord Almighty. It's like playing Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with my brother's kids or something. <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, well. Everybody, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, We'll be back here again next week with another great episode, more fun movies to talk about this year, but we'll be back again next week with The Getaway. So we're going to get away for now, but you'll see us back here next week. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.